God has spoken. Understand Asa Shaman. What I want to talk to you about today is gets pretty heavy, and you'll catch that in a moment. But let me give you some, some background that becomes vital to what we're about to do. You see, when we kicked off 24-7 uh, a year ago, October, our two-year vision was that we would be a people who are 24-7 followers of Christ and a people of what Exodus 24-7 calls the Asa Shema, that in doing, I understand. In being faithful to God, I understand why that works. I, I begin to experience the, the, the power of God moving in my life. We also have said in that, that what we want to do is tune in to the power of the whisper. That I would hear God's voice, you would hear God's voice, so we always obey his word, but now we're so in tune with God, he prompts us in our spirit. See, the Bible does say that God speaks once, even twice, yet people don't notice. We want you to notice. Uh, there's a ringing accusation in Samuel where it says the voice of the Lord was rare in those days. Not because God didn't want to speak, because people would not listen. When we studied the story, and we're going to go back into the story uh, at the end of January, or December, um, it's about understanding, are you ready, that God's story is a story about how much he loves you. And, and others, how he wants to redeem you and bring you close and have a relationship with you. And that you, you, you are vital in this story. Well, why? Because God wants this real relationship where he speaks with you and talks with you and leads you and guides you. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So our desire is that you would not ask this question any longer. Is that the Lord? You would know it's God. And, and here's the thing, our goal in December, especially with the blessed life, is to get you to tune into God like you never have before, so you hear his voice. And so that's what today's about, that's what each week's about, that's what the miracle offering's about, is tuning into the voice of God. And I want you to be able to say, I know it's the Lord. Um, many of you probably are aware of this, but if you're not, um, when I go into the time of invitation. And by the way, if you're brand new here, we do that at the end of every message. Whoever speaks, we invite people to come to know Christ and, and to come and give themselves to the Lord. Uh, if you're brand new, that is not the time to walk out because we might love you, but at that moment, you're going to know how we feel. And so you, you don't leave then. It's too important. But in that moment, as I walk off of these uh, steps, I, I always do this. I, in my mind, just pray a prayer and say, Lord, is there somebody who needs to hear something special? Is there someone right now that you want to have words spoken to during this time because it's them? And I, I, many, some of you in here will go, that happened to me. I'll start praying and then God will start telling me things and I'll start acting on it. And, and people will go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, that's me specifically. Uh, I have a man in our church whose brother-in-law, after two or three weeks, said to his brother-in-law, are you telling Pastor Chuck about me? 
And he, he actually was kind of kidding, but wasn't because it was so specific. So he actually had to bring his brother-in-law to say, would you tell him I've never said a word? And I said, he has it. He goes, then how do you know? And it's God, and God does that. God, God speaks to us, and, and he uses us. A few weeks ago, I had this happen where I was down there, and God told me about a girl in our church who had, had su- su- such a deep wound, real hurt, and he wanted to free her. And God told me what it was, and so I'm standing there, and I'm just, actually, it was a very heavy moment that rocked me, and I, I obeyed the Lord and started talking to her. And at the end of the service, we didn't find anybody that that was for, and so I thought, okay, you know, uh, Lord, maybe you did something I don't know, or I don't know, we'll wait and see. One week later, I walked up here again, and it came again, and if you've been here and I hope you know this. I don't just go, I mean, I could go, okay, in a room this size, there's someone lonely. I don't do that. It's, it's God, is there someone that is and needs to hear? Well, this same message came again. And I, I almost never repeat it unless God, and, and so it came again. And, the, and I thought, Lord, I just said that one last week. And, and I felt God say, you have to tell her again. And so I did. And she that day came forward. She that day found healing and she that day got set free. And she wants you to know her story. She is a vital, wonderful part of the Crossroads family. I want you to hear Jessica's story. I was raised in a Christian home. I I accepted Christ at the age of nine. So I grew up knowing a very loving God. And due to my disability, I needed to depend on others. There was a trusted caregiver whose husband was involved in my life, and he was the one to sexually harm me. I still continued to go to church, not wanting to be there or not, not feeling the Holy Spirit's presence. And then one weekend, Pastor Chuck spoke of a young lady that was struggling with her faith due to a sexual offense, and she needed to release that anger and be cleansed. At first I ignored the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but the second week, Pastor Chuck repeated the same message and I knew I could no longer uh, ignore the Holy Spirit anymore. And I realized that God was was not the one that wanted me to be harmed, but it was the choice of this man's free will. So I no longer blame God for this happening, but I know that I will no longer be um, in this body, but I will live with him eternally. My name is Jessica, and I am Crossroads. Oh. And I'll never forget God doing that and meeting Jessica and talking with her. And, and you know, let me tell you, uh, God loves, God cares, and God heals, and God brings new life and new hope. He does that directly on people, but he also uses us. Crossroads, he uses us to touch and love on Jessica, and today she's healed, and today she's free. And I love that we got to be a part of that. She was in our 9 o'clock hour, and I went up to her to thank her at the end of it to say thank you for just sharing your story. And she is beaming. She goes, Pastor Chuck, I brought a friend that I've been praying for for years. They gave their life to Jesus Christ today. And she was so excited about it. 
So I, 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 my desire, my, my hope is you hear from God, that Jessica hears from God, that you hear from God. Um, we're going to get into something very heavy today. I, I know when I'm done, you're going to agree. Uh, I want to ask you more than ever, let's pray and ask the Lord to move. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about the idea that the demonic wants to keep you from God. And uh, I have a, a, a burden, uh, I think it's a godly burden upon me today to get this out to you. And I want you to not miss a word of it. So I'm going to pray about that. But let me just tell you that, you know, our desire is to have you experience the blessings of God and the blessed life. And there's an enemy that doesn't want you to have it. That's what you see in the story. Eve was in paradise and the enemy came trying to wreck it and ruin it and did. And she was in a relationship with God when that happened. Um, we need to know that the enemy desires to come after us. You're going to see that biblically in a minute. And uh, I want to pray for us. Um, you know, when we look at the classic Christmas stories, you, uh, what have we said? We said the classic Christmas story is almost always someone who's a Scrooge and selfish and not living the blessed, happy life. And it could be there. It's right in front of them to take, to have, to experience and someone or something comes along and opens their eyes and they learn that in giving they're blessed and being uh, about others they're blessed and, and in loving they're blessed and they do it and it changes everything. Some of those stories uh, have a demonic realm, an evil one, uh, 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 an enemy who's trying to keep the person from it. And this is the story, this is the blessed life story for you and me. There's an enemy who doesn't want you to have what God wants for you. And so I want to pray about that right now, and then we'll dig into it. Father, uh, last night, last service, and right now, I have this sense, again, of how important this is, and how much this matters, and how much I need you, and how much I want this for our church and our family. I also know, Lord, that this is a message you have put on my heart and guided me to speak. I wouldn't be faithful if I don't share it. So I'm going to share it. I ask, oh God, right now that you drive out the enemy. If there's a, the, the enemy trying to influence anyone, we ask that they be banned from this place, banned from their minds. I, I know they're going to try to come. I pray our people will be aware and that we'll be strong and we'll be in tune to you. And I ask this by the power and the blood and the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn to uh, Mark chapter 4, which isn't in your notes. It was in my time with the Lord this morning. And, and uh, I know God wants me to share this now so we get everything we're about to get. So we'll be in Mark 4, then 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Jesus was telling parables. And the apostles come to him and said, why are you speaking to the people in parables? And the Lord tells them why. And then he says to them, do you not understand this parable, the parable of the soils? And, and then he tells them something about it in verse 13. He says, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? In other words, if you and I don't get this, and by the way, we're not going to dig into it today in depth, but we're going to talk about things that come from it. If you and I do not get this, we'll never understand all the other things of the kingdom of God. We'll miss out on all that matters. We'll miss out on all that, that has vital importance. And so we don't want to do that. And so he says that there's, there are four kinds of hearts out there. There's four kinds of hearts that God's word goes towards. And how they react to God's word has everything to do with where they'll be in their relationship with God. And in living, by the way, a life of blessing. <clears throat> 
a life of fruitfulness. And so he starts out by saying something interesting that, there, that there's voices that come. There's other things that come in to try to stop you from hearing from God. And so one of the things is this in verse 15. It's talking about the road-like people. And it says, these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown, where God's word is given. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. I don't want you to miss this today. The devil actually does come. Now, I know that it's true we could over-accentuate the demonic and satanic, and that would not be balanced and right from God's word. But on the other hand, if we ignore what is really there, that also would be wrong. So in a balanced way, I hope you understand, Jesus himself said, and whether if you're brand new, you go, is there a devil? The answer is there's a devil. There's an enemy, and he does come and try to take away what God has for you. And he tries to overwhelm, he tries to drown it out. He goes on to talk about other voices that surface. Uh, one is fear. People do not become to God and live with God and, and continue their life with God because they become afraid of what's going to happen if they do. There's others, by the way, who find themselves choked from having this amazing life with God because of other voices, voices of worry. And then, no, no, this is a big one, the deceitfulness of riches. And the desire for other things. The deceitfulness of riches. And the desire for things other than what God has for you. These voices come and because of that they never ever really experience what God wants for them to have. And, and the question is could that happen to you and I? Uh, there are the ones who are doing what's right. And look at verse 20. The ones who make it. It says are those are the ones whom the seed was sown on the good soil. And notice this. They hear the word of God, they accept it, and they bear fruit. So you know you're the good one, the one who's going to make it, if you hear God's word and don't get distracted from it. If you accept it, you say, all right, that's God's word, I accept it, and then you bear fruit based on following it. Now, now what I'm about to tell you is lots of people, lots of people aren't willing to follow God's word. And, and we can't miss this because of voices that speak in their mind. Evil, unholy, unclean things that come. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, we're in a spiritual battle and we, and we have to take up the shield of faith, which is faith and faithfulness, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, along with the other parts of the armor to end up stopping the fiery darts of the wicked one. There is a demonic force that wants to fire darts into you and control you and take you captive and keep you in bondage. Let me be as clear as I can. I'm talking about oppressive spirits. Demonic, oppressive spirits that gain strongholds even in the life of a believer. And Paul warned us that we got to stop that by holding to the word of God completely and keeping faith, faith over feeling, we're going to see in a moment. And, and that's what we need to do. And we can't miss it. That's what he's talking about in desiring for us. Then look at verse 24. And Jesus was saying to them, take care what you listen to. Take care what you listen to, for by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you, and more will give in to you besides, by the way, if you listen. If you listen to the right things, if you listen to the right one. Take care what you listen to. And I want to tell you today, I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you right now to do something. 
I'm not only going to ask you to listen, I'm going to ask you to listen and try to discern the voices and thoughts in your mind. If something comes in your mind, that, by the way, there's three things that could come in your mind. It could be your own thoughts, it could be God, the Spirit of God speaking, or it could be the demonic. And I'm going to ask you to try to decide which one's coming. And, and are you in line with the Spirit of God, the Word of God? And today as I talk, I really believe a battle's going to be fought. And Paul said that. Where does spiritual warfare happen? It happens in our minds. 2 Corinthians 10, if you've never seen this, you definitely want to. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapon of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of forces. Now, did you catch that? He said, I want you to know that although we walk in a fleshly realm, our battle's not fought there. And it, it needs to be fought in such a way that we destroy fortresses. Now, what are fortresses? It's strongholds. It's places where the enemy has people in captivity or where the enemy has a, a hold in someone's life. And, and it goes on to say this in verse 5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Now, speculations, very often, rather than following God's words, we speculate. We, we think. It's the God of I think. Well, I, I know the Bible says this, but it can't mean that. So I'm going to think something else and try not to follow God's word. We speculate out on things that, that go against the word of God. And when we do that, we, we are in a battle. We're fighting against God's word being in our life. And then it says this, every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And, and here's where I'm going. You, it, you may not realize the voice of the demonic. Demons do not speak in tones that are so evil. You go, oh, that's evil. Demons are deceptive. Don't, they're deceptive. And so they're, they're going to, to, to sneak in. They're going to make it sound so good. And they're going to say things to you that are lofty things against the word of God. Here's my point. If the word of God says this, and then you've got a thought in your mind saying the word of God's wrong, that's a lofty thing. You know what you're saying? I know more than God. When the God's word tells you to do something, no, I'm not going to do it because I know more than God. And the demonic then has a stronghold. And when you and I think we know more than God and we're going to just ignore God and not listen to God, that, that's scary. And we speculate and come up with all these reasons to justify our not listening to what God says. And then it says this. It says, and don't miss what it says there, and we are to be taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Do you see that at the end of verse 5? It, it's an issue of our thoughts. Are our thoughts captive for Christ? Are we thinking according to Christ? Are we listening to him? And then at verse 6, uh, it says this, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. And whenever that, that saying is when I'm living according to God, I see disobedience as something I have nothing to do with, and I cast it away, and I, I don't want to have that there. And where is the battle? thought fought the, in the thoughts it's fought in my thoughts it's fought in my mind it's fought in your mind and, and the demonic wants to come there and it wants to bring thoughts to hold on to you and captivate you see I, I gotta tell you I had a light bulb moment in what we're about to talk about I, I for years have have in, met people who I know and gotten to know really well who I love who are sharing life together, and I'm watching them not follow God's word. 
And I'm like, Lord, I don't get it. I, I, if you ask me, do they love you? I'm sure they love you, but they're not. There's an area of scripture, usually just a, an area, and they're just not willing to do it. And I'm, God, why, why, why? And, and I realize something, and I mean this. They're in bondage. They're oppressed. There's a voice they're listening to that's not God. By the way, I know it's not God because God's word's right there. And, and it's an area of spiritual stronghold, and it's not the Holy Spirit that's got it because the Holy Spirit would never lead them in that way. And I'm not saying they don't love God. I'm saying that they have opened up to the other voices Jesus warned about in the parable of the soils. Now, now, what I want to talk about is you and I being set free. What I want to talk about is you and I living the life God wants you to. Jesus said this in, in John 8, 31 and 32. If you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine. In other words, if I obey God's word and continue in that, I'm truly his disciple and I will know the truth and the truth will make you free. See, the blessed life is a free life. A blessed life is a life where I know and you know that God wants to bless you. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10? It says, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it ever entered into our hearts, our imaginations, all that God has prepared if we love him. Do you realize, now please I, grab this. God loves you. By the way, what I'm sharing today is because I know God loves you and, and some of you aren't gonna believe it, but I'm doing it because I care too. I know some of you are gonna get really mad at me in a moment. I'm not kidding. And I'm not saying this to get you mad. There are going to be people walking out here saying, I'll never come back to this church again. That is not the reason I'm sharing it. But that's going to happen. But I'm going to be sharing God's truth. And I'm doing it, why? Because I care. I'm doing it because I care about what God wants me to do and I care about you. And I want you to know that. But there's other voices about to come that are getting some of you pretty upset. And you need to be aware of it. Uh, I want you to be blessed. Uh, the, I want you to hear from God. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know. I want you to experience the great and mighty. I want you to walk around going, God, I can't believe this is happening. And if you've ever said these words, well, Chuck, you tell all these stories of how God's done this in you. It's never happened to me. Let me say Why? Why? Because I know I'm not special. Why? You're special. We ought to ask the question, why? And is it because there's a stronghold there where, where God's not going to speak because we've got an idol in our life, something else we worship, something else that has control. So I want us to be blessed. Now, the main area we're going to talk about right now, let me just tell you, is financial. And a lot of people ask, okay, why are we doing that? Let me tell you why. It has been said, and it's true, there are more verses in the Bible on money and finances than there are on prayer. There are. And you might ask why, and here's why. Because if you don't have that area right, your prayers will be hindered. It's been said, and it's true, there's more verses in the Bible on money and finances than there are in heaven. And you might go, why? And here's why. Because if you don't have this area right, you will not experience heaven on earth and the power of God in your life. I'm not, and that's, that's right from the Bible. Uh, and then I've learned lots of people want to choose a promise and ignore the context. L let me give you one of them. In Matthew 6, verse 33, all of you who are Christians, do you love this verse? Seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Do you love that verse? Do you know what it's talking about? Finances. That whole section's on Finances. It starts out with where your treasure is, your heart is also. 
It talks about what you're worshiping. It talks about not worrying. And the, the key to not worrying is seeking first the kingdom of God. How do you seek first the kingdom of God? You give to God first. That's what Jesus is saying. You study it in context. Does that verse apply to other things? Yes. But if you're going to take that verse correctly, he's talking about your finances. Do you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, living according to what God's word says by giving your tithe, the first 10%, and your offering to God? Now, see, we go, wait a minute. I didn't know that's what that verse said. Well, that's what it's always said. It's right there. And you know what? We want to ignore that. We want to, we, we want to say, I don't know. Now, now, Jesus is telling us something here. Let me tell you something else. Three times in the law, three times in the law, here's this, the, these words are used. Do not appear before the Lord your God empty-handed. It's in um, Exodus 23, 15, Exodus 34, 20, and Deuteronomy 16, 16. Three times it says, do not appear before the Lord your God empty-handed. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it because God needs your money that he said that? Does God, is God holding up a sign, will work for food? It, now, now I, I'm kind of kidding, but here's my point. Do you know, and I hope you know this, that everything God has put in his word is for your good, not his? Did you know that? Everything in the Bible he's telling you is for your good, not his. Why? Because he loves you. So here's the thing. When he tells you, do not appear before me empty-handed, whose good's it for? It's yours. But do we believe that? See, a lot of you think God's trying to take things from you. A lot of you, well, you know what, man? God wants to take what's mine. Another question. What, if you're a Christian, what do you have that's yours? And so why do we get this attitude of mine? Well, Chuck, today's going to talk about taking mine. And, and, and we've got a problem here. Uh, it gets bigger. The problem's a lot bigger. And I hope you turn to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, I want to take you deep. I want to take you deep because the problem gets bigger than what we're talking about. And in Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus says something that many Christians, many, many Christians deep down do not believe. And I know that's true, and I'm going to tell you, and I think you're going to even agree. What's it say in verse 24? And by the way, this is in that section where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. It says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, now listen, I want you to listen. The word mammon is the accurate word there. Now, I know your Bibles, most if not all of them, have the word riches or wealth. That's not what Jesus said. But he did say, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the, the reason that's important to note is he was using an Aramaic word. See, the, the New Testament is written primarily, almost exclusively, in Koine Greek. Whenever they keep an Aramaic word by the inspiration of God, it's because that word was not found in the Greek language to define what he was talking about. And the word mammon is an Aramaic word that Jesus put there, meaning a false god. You can't serve God and another false god called mammon at the same time. you got to choose which one. And what is mammon? Mammon is the love of money. See, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Mammon is greed. Mammon is selfishness. Mammon is mine, mine, mine. And you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon has a very, very rich heritage. Now, I don't know if you know about it, but Milton 
said that mammon is an actual demon that is one of Satan's main demons to inflict harm in people's lives. Thomas Aquinas said that mammon was a demon that would ascend from the pit of hell riding on a wolf to infect, infest, and inflame men's hearts with greed. Aquinas said, actually, he tries to get inside your heart to control your mind, this demon called mammon. Peter Bensfield in 1589 was a Jesuit priest who devoted years and years to trying to categorize the demonic. And most people look and think he was pretty authoritative in what he said. And he said there are seven princes of hell, seven demonic archangels. And one of the seven, maybe the most powerful of all of them, is mammon. Now, if you were living in Jesus' time and he used that word, you'd know. Everybody here agrees you can't serve God in the demonic, and this is an area of a demonic stronghold where he's got people. He's holding on to people, and he controls them, and we need to understand Jesus wants us free. So he says you cannot, you cannot serve God in mammon. And yet so many Christians go, but yes, I can. I can love God and ignore what the Bible says about giving to God. I can love God and enter with the empty hand, never of giving to God, even though it says never, never come before the Lord your God empty-handed. I, I, I can pick verses out of the Bible and follow them and not others. And I'm always amazed when people do that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. By the way, I should preach that to you, teach that to you. I should memorize it and live it. You know what it says? It, don't live by your own understanding. Trust God, lean on God, and God's going to guide you and direct you. By the way, is that verse true? Is it true? All right, well, how about the next verse? Honor the Lord from your wealth and the first of all your produce. Oh, no, that's Old Testament. That's old. No, no, no. What, well, first of all, by the way, whenever anybody says Old Testament, and this is gonna, I'm serious now. I've realized I need to start praying because the spirit of mammon just spoke. You guys know that the, the Proverbs is the wisdom of God for all people, all times, and all ages. When someone goes, nope, not going to listen to that one, I have now realized the spirit of mammon has just spoken. Just like when Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, because you just said something not from you, from him. When we say those kinds of things, I have realized it, that that is the spirit of mammon. It's real. And we do not want him in our life. See, mammon wants to rule you. Mammon wants to guide you. Mammon is looking for servants. Uh, Mammon is going to promise you everything and give you nothing. Mammon tries to take God's place. You know why? Mammon promises you only what God can give. Mammon promises you and I only what God can give. And let me just get, I'm going to get personal with me and you. This isn't about just you. It's me too. I'm realizing mammon attacking. Here's what I've heard mammon. Are you ready? And, and this is true. I've heard mammon whenever I've said, man, I'm in this situation right now and I know this situation would be better if God would do a miracle or I would win the lottery. In other words, if I had God or money, one of the two, I'd be better off. Now, wait a minute. Can money ever take the place of God? Is money ever the rescue? When we start thinking that, we have missed everything that matters. And we need to understand that. Because, see, Mammon starts telling you, man, if you had more money, your marriage would be happy. Really? 
If you had more money, man, your kids would have a life like they've never had before. Because by the way, don't you all know that wealthy children tend to do better in life? Does anybody know that? The more you give your kids, don't they end up better off? Uh, If I had more money, then I'd be free. Now, now here's here's what I want you to know, because you already know this. There has been not just one, but many studies done on lottery winners. You already, what, what have they found? Are they happier? No, there's a recent study on ABC News. I, I just heard it. I didn't get to grab it yet, but it was just last week. There was a new study done that found that lottery winners, winners are 80% more likely to declare bankruptcy. We already know they're more likely to divorce. They're more likely to have, to have depression. They're more likely to report loneliness and, and lack of friendship in their lives. They're more likely to report that their families now are worse off, not better off. We already know that. And yet we all believe, here's the thing, I believe this to you. I believe if it happened to me, it w- I wouldn't do that. I believe if I won the lottery, that would not have happened in my life. D- do some of you believe it deep down? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because here's it. The answer to my problems is money. Do you realize not one time, not once, did Jesus ever say the answer to your problems was money? Did he miss something? See, there's a spirit moving. There's a spirit speaking, and it speaks. And it tells you the Bible's not true in this area. It tells you other things. Here's the thing. When you hear the spirit of God, you already know what it says. The spirit of God says, give, and mammon says, mine. And see, there's some of you right now. I'll just get honest. I know it. You're hearing a spirit speaking in you. That's the church. All they want is my money. So let's just get it out there. That's true. All we want is your money. No, it's true. Now, you don't know it, but we devote whole staff meetings to how we can get your money. Now, I'm not talking you as a group. No, we have individual names. We have named you. The person you're thinking that, you are on a staff meeting agenda how we could get your money. Do you think that's true? See, there's a spirit speaking, and it's ludicrous. And it promises everything and gives nothing. It tells you you have freedom and keeps you in bondage. It tells you you can have blessings from God and not honor him. It tells you you can ignore sections of scripture and pick and choose, which by the way, I'm not gonna get into it now, I am so tempted that when you start doing that with those verses, the scary thing is how many other verses you do it with. Because once that demonic voice has got you, it's got you away from God's word. And we need to understand that God doesn't want this for you. As a matter of fact, I want to say this. We need to understand how much more this is occurring in these last days. I believe with all my heart we're in the last days. And I want to ask you to think about this. See, the spirit of the Antichrist is moving. But when the Antichrist comes, how is he going to seize power? Is he going to do it through military might? Is he? No, let's do it together. He's going to use money. The Bible says when the Antichrist comes, he is going to make it so that you and I cannot buy or sell unless we have the mark of the beast. It's going to be upon rich and poor, free and slave, on the great and the small. No one on earth can buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. In Revelation 14, it says this, anyone who takes the mark goes to hell. That bothers a lot of people. Let me be as clear as I can. According to the Bible, there is no grace given once you take the mark. There's no way out. Revelation 19 says that the mark comes by deception. 
There's not going to be a big sign saying, take the mark and go to hell. People will be deceived into it. Why? Because they aren't reading God's word. Now here's the point. When a day comes, you have to choose to follow Christ or you cannot buy food. Will you be faithful? Because the Antichrist is going to use that. When the day comes, you say, but if I don't take that mark, my kids won't eat. Are you going to take the mark and take your kids down that road? But the Bible's clear. It's going to be a hard time, a tough time. Persecution's coming. And you need to ask the question, what are you following? Will you be faithful? I'm going to give you the answer to will you be faithful in a moment. But I'm telling you, there is a demonic hold. There's a demonic insepid uh, uh, attack on people and, and, and Christians and there's voices in their mind and they're not listening to what God said and that keeps them from God's blessings. So what do we do? And I know the answer. What do we do? We've got to cast this demon away. We've got to drive it away from us and, and we do it by doing three things and you've got to do all three and I want you to write them down. You've got to do three things to drive this demonic force from you and I need to do it. Uh, number one, you have to choose faith over feelings and I hope you're back in Matthew chapter 6 Faith over feelings. I must choose to operate and live by faith over feelings. I must walk by faith and not by sight. I must choose to listen to God more than myself. I should not live by the God of I think or I feel. Matthew 6, verse 19. At first you may not understand how this matches, but I'll show you. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. Now the heart is feelings and thoughts and that, all that process. And he says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now you might say, okay, I don't understand how that's faith over feelings. I think you will in a moment. Um, I, I hope you're reading the book, The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. If you're not aware, that's a book we're hoping everybody here reads. Uh, Robert Morris is a pastor in Dallas who's uh, pastoring the fastest growing church in the United States. Uh, and they are only 12 years old and they're running 22,000 people. They're also the most generous church in the United States by far. Giving to others, touching causes. Uh, God's using them in great ways, in great parts of the kingdom. Uh, Morris uh, is an amazing man of God. And I got to be with just a group of uh, 15 of my friends and him in a room in Dallas, Texas. And we're talking and sharing. And, and then what happened is one of my friends quotes this verse, where your treasure is, your heart is also. And Robert Morris said, well, you're not correct in that. And I went, oh, here's why. What my friend said is what I've said to you. And I'm thinking, uh, he's wrong. And I looked at him like, how could you be so wrong? Not wanting to admit it's me too and uh, and and he began to explain I went oh you're right Robert Morris was right and I was wrong now here's what I've said that was wrong if if it, it, it's on this verse what I'm about to say is true but that's not what this verse says do you understand the difference I would quote this verse and say this but the two aren't really linked although they're both true if you love God that's where your treasure will be now that's true. If I love God, I'll give to God. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. In other words, treasure goes first and heart follows. Treasure first, heart follows. Treasure first, heart follows. In other words, if I put my treasure there, my heart will follow. And that's what the Bible's saying. See, the Bible warns us feelings need to be watched out for. 
Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked who can know it. In other words, my feelings will not always cause me to follow God's ways. Let me be, let's kind of use that. If, if I have an enemy and I don't feel like loving my enemy, should I love my enemy anyway? Yeah. If, if uh, I have my wife and I don't feel like loving my wife, should I love my wife anyway? Right. And so if I don't feel like giving to God, should I give to God anyway? And faithfully. Now see, that, he says, but when you do that, your heart will follow. Your feelings will follow. It'll change everything. And, and I thought, you know, he's right. And, and I need to do that. That's called faithfulness. Um, the other day, a, a little while ago, Pam and I uh, went to Mimi's. I, I actually had done it. I had prayed, Lord, where do you want us to go to breakfast? And the Lord put on my heart Mimi's. And we drove there, and I got out of my truck and turned, and there was a homeless man standing in front of me. And he said to me, he said, hey, um, do you have any money so I could get something to eat? Now, the old Chuck, even by the way, Christian Chuck, the old Chuck was like, no, you know, go get a job. You know, but, uh, you know, now I'm learning God saying, no, you know, that's not, that's him and me. You, you bless him. And so I thought, okay. And so I reached in my pocket and pulled out some money and I saw I had a dollar bill and a bunch of 20s. And, and I handed him a dollar bill. I gave him a buck. And I felt pretty good. I thought, hey, man, I just blessed this guy. Yeah, he smiled, and I turned, and Pam is looking at me. And she said, what did you just do? And I said, I gave the guy money for food. She goes, how much did you give him? I said, a buck. And she goes, Chuck, you can't get anything for a dollar? And I went, oh. Now, I want to be honest. I did not feel like I had to go do something different. But I said, hey, man, man, wait, wait, stop. And he turned around, and I walked over, and I gave him a lot more than a dollar. And he looked at me, and he's beaming, thank you, thank you, thank you. He was so blessed. He felt so good, and I did not feel good at all. <laughs> I didn't feel good. We got in the restaurant, sat at the table. Pam now, honestly, when I, I'm not exaggerating. She's got tears. She's got tears, and she's wiping them, and she goes, Chuck, I don't want you to do it because I told you to. I want you to do it because you felt like it. And I looked at her and I said, honey, you were right to tell me to do it, but you're wrong on what you just said. I should not wait till I feel like it. I should do it because it's right. I should do it because it's right. And, and I said this to her. I said, and I know the Holy Spirit used you to speak to me about this. Now, I really wish God would quit using Pam. Um, <laughs> I really do, uh, you know, but I know God used the Holy Spirit to speak to me because you already know what the Holy Spirit would say in that moment. What would the Holy Spirit say? Give. You give. Mammon would say, no, it's mine. Mammon would say, oh, a buck's enough. Yeah, well, you got a dollar, man. And you just judge that guy till kingdom comes because he's not working and homeless because you're so much superior than he is. And the reason you have money is you're blessed and you, and he is cursed because of whatever he... Whoa, do you ever think that way? Do you ever think that way about people? By the way, who am I to judge that man? But who am I to help that man? Who am I to... See, Jesus says you give. This mammon says mine, mine, mine. And, and we cannot listen to that voice. We can't let it... So we have to be faithful over feeling. Faithful over feeling. That means I give to God and I... When I'm moved by God, I give to others, and I do that. That's the first way I drive it out. Now, the second way, you ready? The second way is be faithful in the little things. 
The second thing is be faithful in little things. This is where I'm going to answer that question. Will you buckle? Will you give in? Will you choose the Antichrist over the real Christ? And that day the mark comes. I'm going to tell you how to know the answer to that. And Jesus tells it to us. And here's the answer. He was faithful in a little thing will be faithful in much. If we're faithful now in the easy time, we'll be faithful in the hard time. And you might say, well, I don't know. Jesus tells you, he tells me that if we're faithful now, we'll be faithful then. And listen to what he says in Luke 16. I hope you turn there. Luke 16, verse 10. He was faithful in a very little thing, is faithful also in much. He was unrighteous in a very little thing, is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, knowing that, if you have been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth or mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you? Did you catch that? If I am unfaithful when it comes to the area of money, God says, why would I trust you with anything else? Why? Because that's a little thing. We're going to see in a moment. It's the little thing. It's the least of these. If I can't be faithful to give my tithe, if I can't be faithful to give my offering, if I can't be faithful to touch other people's lives with it, then, then why would God trust me with anything else? That's what God says. Jesus said, it's a little thing. And if you're not faithful with that, how can I trust you with the major, true riches? By the way, God wants to bless you in ways that you are used by him in significant and monumental ways. He really wants that for you. But you've got to be faithful in the little thing. Then it says in verse 12, And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? Now we already said it, but let's bring it back again. Is there anything, as a Christian, is there anything you have or own that's, that's yours? No. So if you go, if you go, well, if I give to God, then I'm not going to have something. Well, it's God's. And, and how about this one? But if I give that to God, then who's going to take care of my children? Whose children are they? God's. Are they? Well, are they? Then why all of a sudden do we think, here's why. Why do we think if I'm faithful to God, my children would suffer? Do I think God does not care about my children? Why do I think if I'm faithful to God, I'll suffer? Is God about getting from me or is God about giving to me? By the way, what God do you worship? I'll tell you what, there's a, a demonic spirit saying, no, God's trying to take from you and will never give back. God's trying to do this to you because he's trying to ruin your life. God's trying to do this. God has this in the Bible because if you do this, he wants your kids to go to hell. Do you think that's, that's, the whole, that's not the Holy Spirit? But there's a spirit that says that. There's a spirit that says it. And Jesus said, wait, wait, who's this? this? And it's the little area you've got to be faithful in. Then it goes on to say, notice this again, because he says in another time, in another place, right here, verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'd be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I got to be honest, I'll just tell you, let's just get it out there. Some of you right now are so angry, so mad. You say, I don't want to be in a church like this. I don't want a pastor like this. And you're going to walk out of here mad at me. And, and I would love to tell you, you know what, then go ahead. But that's not how I really feel. I do care what you think. I hope I don't care too much. I don't care. I hope I care more about what you think than what God tells me to do. But I want to tell you that I care about you. But I just don't want you walking out of here under spirit of bondage. And I'm not going to let you walk out not knowing. 
And you cannot, you cannot serve two masters. You've got to choose. And the day we do this is a day many of you are going to cast that master off. You know that? It's going to cast them off. Why are we doing the miracle offering? We knew ahead of time I'd be talking to you about this. And I knew that this is a day that God would use this offering to set you free. See, there are some of you, what we're asking you to do if you're brand new is we're asking you to pray and say, God, above and beyond my tithe, because I'll give my tithe, above and beyond my tithe, what offering should I bring to you? And I've already said, some of you are going to hear $10. And you're going to go, but I could give more than $10. Now, there are some of you who said, oh, Chuck, when you said that, I know you're just trying to use it to psych us out into more money. That's, I mean, you're, you're pretty good with words, so I know you're manipulating us. Let me tell you, I'm not. There's some of you that are only going to hear $10. Why? Because you're already free from mammon. And, and God said, that's it. You know, you've been faithful. You've been giving. I just need you to do that. I'm, I'm serious. That's all. And, and by the way, it's not all. It's wonderful. That's what God will speak in your mind. Are you ready? Some are going to be told a lot higher amount because God's been blessing you. And he's going, okay, now is the day for the big offering that you were supposed to bring to me. And I want you to bring to me. And I know you'll do it freely. And there are some of you that's going to get a big amount. You know why? Because you're in bondage. And you're going to go, oh, that hurts. And God's going to go, yeah. And are you going to trust me? I want you to be sure it's God, but God's going to say. And I know there's some of you, God's starting to give amounts. You're going, that can't be him. No, there's no way. Man, I'd have to trust God if that happened. I mean, I, here's it. I don't know how I'd make it. Really, so what has helped you make it? God? Or what you own? Or does it own you? Now, I want you to be sure it's God, but this is this. And by the way, that's why we're not making it for something. You see, I'm, by the way, I will do this at some point, so don't think I won't. At some point, I'm going to say, hey, if you're not faithful, there might be an extra child we could care for and love and take care of if you're not faithful. I, I'm, crossroads, I'll do that, okay? Let me just tell you, I'll do it for that child's sake. But did you notice we didn't do it this time? We didn't do, but if you don't give, this child won't be cared for, which could, you know, I'm not against that. Here's what I'm saying. If you don't give, then that's on you. That's on you. It's you and God. And you decide. But you've got to be faithful in the little things. Jesus talked about this whole idea in Matthew 23, 23. I believe with all my heart he loved the Pharisees and cared for them. He's going to say something hard to them, but he loved them and cared for them. In Matthew 23, 23, it says this. It says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees? Hypocrites. He's saying you're a hypocrite because you, you are saying one thing and doing another. You say you love God and yet you're not honoring God. And here's how. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Did you catch that? If you said, well, Chuck, the tithe is the least of these things. Here's the answer. Yes, it is. It's the least. But Chuck, isn't there something more important than tithing? Yes, Yes, you know the scripture well then. Love is more important. Mercy is more important. Uh, uh, caring is more important. Forgiving is more important. All those are far more important. You go, well, Chuck, then tithing's the least of these. And you know what Jesus said? He who is faithful in little is faithful in much. When the day comes, it's a choice of the mark of the beast or not. If you're faithful in the little thing, you'll be faithful in the tough thing. You will. You will. Now, here's what I want to ask you to think. Why do we, though, say, 
I can be unfaithful in the little thing and faithful in much. Did, did Jesus say that? He who is unfaithful in the little thing is faithful in much. Now here's the thing. Many Christians believe that. We think we can be unfaithful and choose areas of Scripture and not obey them and still be okay with God. Now, if you're asking this question, then Chuck, are you saying that if I'm not tithing, God doesn't love me? Here's the answer. No, I'm not saying that. He loves you. He loves you. I think the biggest question is, do you love him? Do you trust him? He's going to love you anyway. And it's, by the way, we don't tithe to get the love of God. We tithe because God gave his love for us. See, that's why we, we give offerings because God has blessed us. And we let him know we know who it's from. So we need to be faithful in the little thing. Number three, you need to remove the curse. So you have to choose to practice faith over feelings. You have to be faithful in the little thing. And you have to remove the curse. Now Malachi, and I hope you're there. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Will a man rob God? Would you and I rob God? Yet you're robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. Notice it's not just tithes. The first 10% is the tithe. If you haven't caught that, the first 10% of any income is the tithe. But he said, there's also offerings. And you and I have robbed God when we have not given tithes and offerings. And offerings you give every now and then when God blesses you. Verse 9. And he says this, you are cursed with the curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now I want to just say it as clearly as I can. Did you see it's not me saying it, it's God saying it. And you might go, well, if, am I a Christian? Can I be under the curse? Yeah, if you're not living in Christ and continuing in his word, yes. Now am I under the curse of the law? Well, no, you're under the love of grace, but you're cursed with the curse. The devourer is there. And by the way, could you be a Christian who's oppressed? Yes. And you need to drive it away. And then it says in verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out in you blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so it will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Now catch verse 12. All the nations will call you blessed for you shall be delightful in the land, says the Lord of hosts. Do you see, we're talking about the blessed life. Do you see what God just said? If you do what I just told you to do, I'm going to bless you in such a way other people go, you're blessed. You're so, other people go, how come you're so blessed? I can see God's blessing upon you. And by the way, I, I'm not telling you how he's going to bless you, but he is going to unload blessing upon blessing upon blessing on you. Just like he said in Proverbs 3, he would. God said, I want to bless you. And see, very often that's where we got to get rid of the spirit of mammon that says, no, if I give to God, I'll have nothing. Let me tell you, if you give yourself completely to God, you'll have everything. That's what you need to understand. You'll have everything that matters, everything in life that counts. But you got to be his. So how do you do that? You cast that spirit off by, number one, choosing faith over feelings. Number two, being faithful in the little thing. And number three, number three, by removing the curse from your life. Remove it. And you just got to choose to do it. Uh, Robert Morris, who I talked about before, was sharing something with us. His daughter, Elaine, met a guy named Ethan, and they started dating. They were out on their third date when Ethan jokingly said to Elaine, he said, you know what, I bet your dad checked to see whether I tithed or not. And she said, he did. She goes, before we had our first date, he did. 
And you know why? Robert Morris said this. I told my son and my daughter, I will never let you date someone who does not tithe because I'm not letting my children date thieves. He said, I'm not going to do it. Well, Ethan already was tithing, and, and, and he talked to him. Robert Morris told him, I checked, man. And by the way, I'll keep checking. And he goes, I want you faithful to God. And he was caring about every area of his life. And so they got to be friends. Well, Elaine and, and Ethan began to fall more and more in love. And one day, Ethan showed up and said to, to Robert, he said, hey, um, I want to ask you, would you give your daughter to be my wife? I want your blessing. And, and Robert Morris told him, he said, man, you're the guy I prayed for. You know, I prayed and prayed over her, and you're the person I prayed for. I, and he was so excited for him. Well, then as their wedding approached, he kept doing something. He kept saying, Lord, what should I say to my daughter and my, my new son, my new son-in-law on that day? I wanna, I'm doing the wedding. He's going to walk her down the aisle and do the wedding. How can I say, I want to say something that matters. And he prayed, and God told him what to say. So the day of their wedding came, and he's walking her down the aisle, and he gets to Ethan here, and it's time for the exchange, and then he's going to come up and do the wedding. And so they say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And Robert said, all right, I want to say something to you in front of everybody here, Ethan. Ethan, I want to tell you, I'm right now about to give you the most extravagant gift I've ever given anyone in all my life. I'm going to give you my daughter. And I want to tell you, I'm doing it with joy because he who has been faithful in little is faithful in much. And I trust you. I trust you. And he gave his daughter. You know what God's saying to you? I want to give you the blessings of heaven. Did you, I want to open the windows of heaven on you. And you know what God's saying? I want to do that. And by the way, do you know God wants, I mean, seriously, do you know God wants to do that? And he's saying, but I want to give you an extravagant gift, but I want you to be faithful a little. Because I can trust you with it. I want to give you a life that's incredible. I want to heal every hurt within you. I want you to be mine. See, that's the whole idea behind this. God wants you to come to him completely, not holding back. And he wants to do that because he couldn't love you more than he does. And I want to tell you, I'm hoping today we as a church family are committed to God and believe in God and believe in his word and live according to that. And I'm going to tell you today, too, there's some of you who've never, ever given your life to Christ, and today you need to do it. Today you need to open your heart and open your mind to Him. You need to say to the Lord, I'm yours. And I want to ask you to do that today. You might say, how do I do that? Here's the answer. What you do is you pray a prayer, and you say, Lord, I'm giving myself to you. I'm committing myself to you. I want your forgiveness, I want your cleansing, and you tell him you want that. By the way, I know God wants it for you. I really am praying and believing there are people here today that God's stirring in your heart, and today's the day you're gonna say yes to him, that God is touching you. This is the moment where you'll become completely his. And I promise you something, he wants to take you and love you and draw you close, and he wants to, to have his word speak to you, and he wants to speak into your heart and life. He wants you to know him. And it's not about being religious. It's about being in a very real, love-filled relationship with the Father who loves you. And so today, today, if you've never entered into that in a way that you know is real, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer and say yes to Him. And I'm going to ask you to do something after that. But that's the first step. Today, there's some of you, you need to give yourself to God. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. And today, you're not completely His. And you know what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm going to ask you today to pray that prayer and recommit yourself to him. And you know, there's some of you who walked in today not realizing how much you need it, but today you need it. And if God's spirit speaks to you, open up to him. 
There's some of you right now, you're in a lot of pain. Like Jessica was. And you could be healed and you could be free and God wants to give you that. And do you trust him with it? If so, pray that prayer and open up. Some of you, by the way, you need to be faithful in, in some areas of your life. One of them is baptism. You've never been baptized. And the Bible teaches that baptism is only for those who choose to follow Christ on their own. If you didn't personally choose to follow him and then get baptized right after that, then that, they're missing what God wanted for you. It's meant to be a celebration where you know him and experience him. And so you need to know you're doing it. And if you've never done it that way, Jesus said that we're supposed to call for you to do that. And then what am I supposed to do? We'll go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to do all that the Lord commanded. And so we want to teach you to do everything. But baptism is one of those things. If you've never done it, and you might say, well, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. Boy, when you do it with Jesus, it turns into a big deal. And I'm going to ask you to do it. So today we're going to ask God to stir. Some of you right now, and you know you're mad. You know you're angry. I'm going to ask you to deal with it. You say, God, I, I, I want to be right with you. I want to be right with you. And you see what God does. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would really, truly move and be with each one of us and in this place. I pray, oh God, that you would begin to touch us, all of us. I pray that we as a church family would be found faithful, completely faithful to you in every area of our life. I know for some, Lord, I'm not oblivious to it. I know for some, what we talked about today is hard. Some, Lord, it's hard because life is hard. Some, it's hard because there's a stronghold there. But I know in both cases, oh my Lord, I know they need to trust you. And they need to choose you over what they see over what they think, over what they know in this moment. Just trust you. And God, I pray some are doing that right now. Lord, I want to pray right now that you'd be with somebody here today who needs to give their life to you. And I know that she at one time thought about being a Christian and tried other religions and looked at other things and bought into philosophies. And, and right now, a lot of what she's sensing and feeling doesn't make sense because you're bigger than that for her. And I pray right now today, she knows that you are upon her. She senses it. And God, I pray she's ready to take that leap of faith and trust you over anything. And God, I, I know that something's going on and she needs to do it. Father, I pray for a person sitting here today whose friendship was lost and their life was shattered. And that hurts worse than anything imaginable. It hurts worse than a past divorce. It hurts worse than a time with a falling out in family. This friend mattered so much and they're not sure how they could go on. But I pray today they're gonna open up to you. Father, I pray for a person sitting here today who, God, there's just something stirring inside. It's been going on for a while and, and now it's starting to make sense and they can sense it. It makes sense. They need to open up to you. And I pray for a man who's here today and he started out living his life for you and, and he started blaming you. He said, he's tell, told others that he's lived this life and it didn't work. And God, right now, he's knowing how wrong he is. But I hope he knows how loved he is, how much he matters. And then I'll open up to you. So God, I pray for anybody right now who needs to give their life to you that you touch and stir and they would do it. I pray for this, Lord. We're going to keep praying. And right now, I'm going to lead a prayer for anybody who wants to say yes to God. 
And I'm going to ask you right now, if you're ready to pray this prayer, you're ready to open up to him, would you just whisper it with me? He loves you. He loves you so much. And we say it so much because it's true. He loves you. And if you would open up and give yourself to him, he's going to draw you close. He's going to lead you. So if it's the first time or to come back or to heal hurt, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me and to cleanse me of all my sin and all my failures and all my hurt and all my pain and of all my past because you want me to be yours. And I want to be yours. So I say yes to you. Yes to the new life you have for me. Yes to the love you have for me. Yes, that I get to be with you. Yes, that I'm yours. And I want to be yours. And yours completely. Now and forever. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God.